Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your motorsports insider with the Indianapolis Star, here to uh, tape another episode of IndyCar Weekly. I'm here joined by IndyCar uh, fan favorite Connor Daly, here to talk a little bit about uh, the the wild range of news that we've gotten from IMS these last couple days about the uh, Indy 500 here coming up in just a month from today on August 23rd along with the four races, uh, two doubleheaders at Iowa and Road America that have happened in the last time since we talked. So, Connor, first off, uh, from a racing perspective, four races in two weekends, uh, how, are, how are you doing? I, I can't got to imagine uh, nice to maybe have a week off here. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's definitely very, very nice. Um, it's been hard on the teams, uh, hard, on, uh, hard on everyone, really. I mean, that, that's, it's been really hot. It's been... Uh, you know, a lot of work, you know, especially with the teams that, you know, have had to repair cars as well. There's been a lot of late nights, um, you know, our, our team being one of them at ECR, obviously, uh, that's, that was tough for America. But, but, yeah, I mean, overall, a really interesting stretch, very up and down for me. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, just nice to nice to get things rolling. It was very nice to be busy. Um, but, man, so much happened in uh, really a three-week period. It's kind of weird to, to see how it all flew by. Sure is. Um, uh, as you mentioned, an up and down cost segment of a couple weekend race weekends for you, a, a real big deal with your first poll, certainly on Friday at Iowa. We'll get to all that here in just a second. But uh, before we do, uh, IMS over these last couple days has uh, published and unveiled their 88-page health and safety plan that they uh, plan to use to to govern how this year's Indy 500 on August 23rd is going to work. Um, the bi- the big big takeaways, uh, of course, they they expect to have 25% of the uh, capacity of the uh, stadium, the stands, the infield, and the suites combined. So that comes in, you know, a little under 90,000 at max capacity. We've got tickets still on sale for race day here until uh friday so that's tomorrow july 24th um something lots of local indiana folks certainly were excited about the uh blackout for local tv broadcast on nbc has been lifted this year so folks can watch the race from home if they are not going to be at ims that day um everyone around the track is going to be uh required to wear a mask all throughout the facility so once you get in there um, you know, at the gates, at the concession stands, at the bathroom, even at your seat, um, IMS is going to ask you to wear a mask um, while you're there for all of those events. And then, of course, the uh, race day on August 23rd. And then um, a, a, an interesting one kind of involving the drivers a little bit. In some sense, we've got the, the paddock somewhat open um, for those uh, those of us who have bronze and silver badges for the couple weeks leading up to and around the race. Um, so folks that have those, um, though there will be fewer of them available, um, will still be able to roam the garages, um, get to pit lane if they have that type of access and get a little bit more interaction maybe with the drivers or at least around the drivers um, than we have had these last couple races at Iowa and at Road America where there have been fans present in the stands or around the track. So I guess Connor... Um, through all that, um, that 88 page plan and everything that was announced, what were some of your biggest takeaways, uh, and thoughts as a, a driver participating in this race here in a month? Well, let's be honest. I didn't read 88 pages. <laughs> I barely, I barely read tweets. As soon as I started seeing the tweets about it, I just, I was just sad. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it sucks overall. And I just, I hate it for Roger. I hate it for Doug, you know, my stepdad, I mean, it's just a tough situation. I mean, it doesn't. All the news that comes out is is, is is not you know it's not really anything that 
really makes you happy. It's just like, oh, all right, well, you know, we gotta gotta do what we gotta do, and and they've got to do it for safety, and and they so badly want to put on a great event. And we we know as drivers, we're gonna put on a great race. Um, and and you know, for those who are able to attend, awesome. I mean, we want to make sure that it's, it's an incredible event. It's still the Indy 500, no matter what. Um, it will be a little different, uh, but we hope that you know we can still put on the best show possible. And I, and I hope that. You know, during those the, the practice week and qualifying, you know, we still get to you know interact with some people and uh, you know the the people that are always uh, you know supportive of us there that we can you know still uh, chat with them a little bit. I think I think something that the, the the fans who are there, like whether it's during practice week or qualifying or even the race day, you know, we're we're definitely going to have to be careful still as drivers who we interact with and and how we. You know, I, I, I for one am, am a driver who takes pictures of everyone that I can and, and signs everything that I can and and, and hangs out with everyone, puts my arm around anyone. You know what I mean? But but well, you just got to realize that we got to be careful. Whether what what your opinion of the situation you know is or, or or not. I mean, look, I I for one am am just just hate it in general. And but I but I do have to be careful myself because you know I want to keep racing and I don't want to happen to trip over trip over the coronavirus and then you know have to miss a race or anything so um so yeah we're you know definitely think about that when it comes to you know when interacting with us and and and, and stuff like that at the track you know even at road america when we saw some people kind of hanging at the at the fence for where the drivers go in and the teams go in yeah it's tough because you want to hang out with those people you want to talk to those people you want to interact with those people and sign stuff for them but, but we just don't know it's just we're, we're, we don't know what's you know what we're what we're really allowed to do, or what we're you know we, what we can do. So it's it's hard, but you know it is what it is. Uh, basically, let's just get through this one. Let's 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 go out there, have an incredible race, and and just know that the next one, um, you know, if if you didn't get to come, hopefully you know things will be sorted out and figured out over the winter, and we can have an incredible May uh, next year. But you know, it's definitely different. It's definitely interesting to see what's going on but we've got to do it we've got to do what we got to do and and you know roger and doug want to make sure everyone's safe that's coming and, and making sure everyone that comes uh can still be as entertained as possible yep absolutely i, I will say i mean is is a bummer if that is that it's going to be you know having <laughs> covering my first in the 500 um you know whether there's you know, 70,000, 80,000, 90,000 folks there it's going to feel a lot different i think one of the big takeaways um, that was nice from all of this is, is weird and is kind of a bummer as that's going to be to have those fewer fans there is that IndyCar and, and IMS and, and as you mentioned, Doug and Roger and, and Mark Miles as well made a point to essentially allow anyone that still feels comfortable and wants to be at this race to be able to come. Um, you know, they this isn't a, a 25% cap on attendance this the announcement this week was really more about um you know this is how many people we expect to be there back on june 26th when they made the announcement about um limiting folks to a max capacity of 50 percent of their um their allowed possible attendance at the race they had already sold uh i think it was around 170,000 tickets at that point and you got to think that for the most part anyone who planned on going to the race, you was really passionate about IndyCar and the Indy 500. At that point, probably had their ticket. So those folks, of those folks that then were given the option to either hold on to their ticket this year um, or to to go ahead and put it toward a credit for 2021 or other events around IMS. You know, I think it was I think it was notable and, and honorable for IMS to give them that option, and then still the fact that. Doug said yesterday in the press conference that still at this point, anyone who doesn't feel comfortable going to this race um, is still allowed actually to turn that ticket in and get a credit. Uh, and I and that's certainly not anything, you know, when you read the, the fine print on the back of your ticket, um, that's not anything that they had to do. Um, I think that was just a, a, a nice, honorable thing by IMS to just essentially allow anyone that feels comfortable to be there um, and then once they have those, those folks that they know want to be there to do everything that they can to make them feel safe. And I think, I think we learned a lot about that yesterday. I myself have not even quite read that, uh, full 88 pages of it, but we got a good sense 
yesterday of what's what's gonna go hap- go on behind the scenes to make this all possible. Uh, and and it does not feel uh, like there's any stone that hasn't been uh, hasn't been touched uh, and anything that hasn't been thought about yet. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll I guess the the weird thing with these fans, I know that they've they've canceled the auto like the big official autograph sessions for you guys. I know there won't be Legends Day. We're not gonna have the parade. Um, there won't be any concerts. I guess from the parade standpoint, I mean that's something that's really big. That's part of um, just that whole race week and race weekend. What is that going to be like for you in the times that you've been able to um, be a part of this race and and be in that parade? What that's what's that going to be like? Not uh, having that to uh, to go through and and kind of look forward to it at uh, driving through the streets of Indianapolis here the weekend of the race. Well, I think part of why people love the Indianapolis 500 so much is 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 the event side of it is the the aura of of being a part of this uh you know the, the greatest spectacle in racing i mean the parade is fantastic the autograph sessions are fantastic interacting with everyone uh you know all 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 week long uh, well all month long sorry is just is just it's just fantastic and 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 part of the reason why i love the Indy 500 growing up is is seeing all the the glitz and the glamour the excitement of of the build-up of the race um but but yeah obviously we're in a weird time we're in a weird era of the world i think we're gonna look back on this someday and think well that sucked you know what i mean and that was a bit of a bit of a wild run here in the world um but uh but yeah man I, it's 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 definitely sad for me to think about i mean I'm still going to get my motor home in the track, still going to live in the track and do that, do all things like normal there. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's just sad because we get so much support out there and, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling for every, you know, every little bit of TV ratings we can get other than, uh, you know, the Indy 500. And, and we, we got to make sure that people know more than the Indy 500. But, but for those that are purely focused on the Indy 500, we got to, you know, we got to make it the best thing ever. We got to make sure that people, you know, when we when we can all come back safely, that we're all there and that we're all enjoying it again and that we do it bigger and better than ever. So, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough for sure. But I know for us, you know, we still see it as the Indy 500. The, the, the person that wins is still going to get a glass of milk and you're still going to be on that trophy. You're still going to get that big check at the end of the day. So. Uh, you're still fighting for racing immortality and, and racing history. So, um, you know, I, I just know that we're going to go out there and we're going to put on the best show that we can. And whoever can come, whoever feels safe enough to come, get on out there because we're going to have a great time. And we're going to be there. And we're going to we're going to have some of the fastest cars on the planet going around in circles there and, and, and uh, trying to make it the, the best day we can. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think knowing knowing that the drivers are going to be still seeing it the same, I think a big part of all of this is that Roger still in some way wanted to make this feel, um, you know, as, as close to what, what we can consider a relatively normal Indy 500 in the grand scheme of, of what's going on in the world. And I think, I think he understood that, uh, that this race is different and these fans around this race are different. And I think he's putting a lot of trust in those fans, as you mentioned, to, to follow those these rules and you know abide by giving you guys as drivers space and making sure that once we get to that we can just even get to august 23rd to begin with and get there safely and then once we get to that day to follow everything that they have in place there and, and i i do think that um you know the the race fan that comes to this race and the the person that's still going to feel comfortable coming to this race given everything going on um i think is going to understand what's at stake and, and hopefully respect all of that. So I think um, it's a good way to put a cap on on all of that. Now to, to maybe get to a more positive topic, uh, for those of you that were able to watch, I think it was on, just on NBC Gold, at least live on NBC Gold on Friday uh, last week at Iowa, um, an exuberant Connor Daly uh, when he ended up clinching his first poll. Um, Connor, I guess I'll just start off. What what was that uh, experience in that evening like for you before you had to hop in a race car to get and go racing on Friday? Well, you know, normally when you qualify like on road courses or even for any race, it's the day before the race, so you get a night to kind of you know sit on it, have a nice little uh, nice little celebration with the team. Uh, but we had to get right back in and go racing. So um, 
you know, it's it, it was an awesome feeling. Uh, just just so happy for the team. I mean, the, the team are the are the ones that gave me the equipment to do it. You know, I I can't go out there and do that if if the car isn't you know exactly how I need it to be and exactly how I like it to uh, you know to, to, to drive. Um, and, and they were able to give that to me. So it's just such a an amazing step forward from from where we were last year from where i was really always at iowa i mean i i I had not finished iowa ever until last year uh and 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 you know to to be able to do that at one of my weakest tracks and my least favorite tracks uh is really just mind-blowing to me so uh and especially to beat a guy like joseph newgarden for pole there who joseph is the king of iowa a big corn guy big corn so (laughs) He, you know, to, to start on the front row with a long time uh, rival since we were uh, pre-teens, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, you know, we, we, we didn't have, uh, you know, we struggled a little bit in the race and, and we, we didn't have the, the best tire wear uh, that we needed to have. So, obviously, we finished eighth after, uh, you know, after as well. Yellow didn't go our way, but, you know, these things happen and there, we can't, you know, can't complain about that because uh, everyone's going to be a victim of that at some point but but yeah man just super cool super happy for the team no matter what you know the the weekend went downhill after that we had a lot of bad luck and just made some bold calls that didn't work out obviously Uh, but we had an incredible uh, achievement for the team that that we will never forget Um, and 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 yeah it just makes me 10 times more excited for gateway because i actually like gateway and, uh, and I can't wait to get there. You're right. You guys have really had um, solid performances. Uh, I know I know you mentioned that, you know, eighth and, and where you guys finished on Saturday weren't maybe where you expecting to be um, on where you guys ran most of the, the evenings in those races and, and also where you qualified. But I imagine it's got to give you a lot of a lot of positivity that on these oval tracks, the three that we've done so far, that you guys have really continued to put together some strong showings both in practice and qualifying and the race given the condensed schedule that we've had around all of these. I know you're going back and forth between Ed Carpenter Racing and Carlin, but um, certainly seems like you guys have been able to build a lot of traction over there at Carlin, and uh, and hopefully that would be something that will continue there for the, the last race of the year that you'll be with them. Yeah, I definitely hope so, man. I mean, I'm confident we can get there with ECR as well. I mean, we've got, uh, I'm still very new to that relationship and we, you know, we had some great speed and qualifying at the NDGP and uh, we've got some room to work on our our, our race setup. Road America was just uh, pretty much where everything went wrong. Um, But realistically, we were probably on on par for another top 10 there at race one before um, getting put out into the the, the bushes and the tire barriers, um, which was quite painful. But yeah, I mean, I think, that team, we're still learning each other. We're still learning how, uh, you know, how to make the basically bring the black tire and the red tire a little bit closer, uh, pace wise, and and try to kind of figure out how how I like to drive the car on a road course. But you know, I'm a road course guy through and through, so I know we can get there uh, on the road courses as well. But to be, uh, you know, to be where we are on the ovals right now, I'm super thrilled about it. I, I love oval racing right now. I absolutely love it. Love everything about it. Uh, love the, the the technical uh, aspect of, of that type of racing, um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that I only really have. Well, I only have one more race left with Carlin, so uh, we obviously want to want to close that out strong. Um, but the fact that we've already had so much momentum on ovals uh, together with a one car team, and now I'm going to go to you know the Indy 500 with ECR with three cars and have a lot of information to look at and have uh, you know that that incredible group of people who have produced amazing cars at the Speedway, um, you know, so many years uh, in a row. Uh, you know, it's exciting. You know, we're, we're, we're six races in. We've got one trophy, albeit a pole trophy. Uh, you know, we want to keep hunting for more, and, and I want to get some with both teams. I want to be on the podium with both teams. Uh, I want to get a win with both teams if we can, um, because it would just be such an enjoyable celebration with those guys. But it's, it's hard work. This is an incredibly competitive racing series right now. And um, you got to be able to be luckier than Scott Dixon too. So that's uh, that's quite a challenge. <laughs> that's a good point. I don't. One thing that got mentioned a little bit in the lead up to that Friday evening qualifying at Iowa was 
the interesting uh, back-to-back uh, qualifying for the that race, I know it's not something that we've really had any chance to experience because you guys typically haven't done double headers on um, on oval tracks, at least not for some time now. And we've had this double header at, at Belle Isle be pretty much the only one on the schedule for several years. But had an interesting um, thing going there where you're – you know, not only are you kind of in an impound situation where you can't do anything, you know, or at least not too much to the car after qualifying at Iowa, but they're also qualifying for two separate races there with those two laps. What? How did you guys kind of manage the strategy for that? I know your your uh, out lap um, ahead of the first lap, I think, was um, the fastest by anyone, um, and and even faster than a lot of guys' qualifying laps. What? What kind of came into the the strategy around how you guys attacked that session? Well, it's very different, right? It's it's weird. I mean, I wasn't going to be a huge fan of it, obviously, until it worked out for us. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's 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 tough. It, it it makes you you know the impound situation makes you go into qualifying thinking, well, I hope this works for the race too. Um, and and thankfully, you know, day two we had that practice session, which we were able to. We were able to definitely make some improvements on the car, and I I know the steps that we made on the car definitely kept us running up front all night uh, race two. So you know it, 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 it's challenging for the teams, but uh, it's something that I think you know we had to do. I think honestly we had plenty of time to qualify again on day two in Iowa, which I still don't really understand. But hey, we're just guys that are told what to do by the series and we got to go out there and do it. So, um, it's something to, you know, continue to look at in the future and how the sessions work out. Um, but yeah, definitely an interesting philosophy. Um, and, and especially like if you had a rough day on, on Saturday, it was tough for the teams and a lot of teams had long nights on, um, on the, uh, on the, on the first night there, Friday night. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was tough for those guys, especially ECR and Andretti. Uh, with you know repairing Colton's car, repairing uh, you know Renus's car, so these these double headers I think people forget it's hardest on the teams. You know it's hard on us as drivers. I mean we're heck, we're drained to the absolute max, but the teams are out there also struggling all late night, late into the night, and early morning. So uh, definitely got to be thinking about those guys as well. Absolutely. Um, one thing you know regarding how drained you guys were, I know. Um, I think we might have some questions, so we can talk a little bit more about it later on, too. But um, we went into these series of double headers, and IndyCar, I know, is making a handful of changes to the aero screen, not just the screen, but actually the the venting and cooling that you guys were getting from a couple different areas. Um, and I knew for for both races, the, the road course race, because it was in the middle of the day, um, and you guys aren't going certainly nearly as fast on those courses, there were some con- concerns about what Road America would be like, and then just with Iowa, with how physically grueling of a track that is, even when you don't have the aero screen on the car, what that was going to be like with some some Midwest, even uh, early evening heat there at Iowa. What what was your experience with um, the screen there, and and how any of the changes or additions that IndyCar made to the cars or you guys' cooling situations, how that uh, impacted anything? Yeah, the little vent that they put on the top definitely didn't work. Um, you know, all it did was cover us in more dirt, sand, and rocks. Uh, so that that was kind of tough. You know, I, I, you got to give credit to the series, though. I mean, they're trying, right? I mean, we had, what, four days in between, you know, the races. I mean, it's, it's so hard to implement something that is going to do a significant amount in that little time. It's just impossible. So you just got to throw stuff at it, right? And sometimes when you throw stuff at it, it doesn't work. And, and I, I don't think that the air vent worked coming in from the top um, because it's just so hot. you got to remember, you're blowing hot air in there. It's not like this is cool air going into the car. It's hot air. So it, the, the cockpit is so stagnant and it's so hot that, you know, I, I truly believe it's upwards of 150 degrees. Uh, and and it's, it's very, very warm, uh, especially under yellow. And, you know, it's, it's, it's making it hard. So obviously we're going to continue training and trying to be the fittest athletes that we can be. But at some point there's a limit to what the human body can withstand. So, you know, our races have only been two hours and we've got a three hour Indy 500 coming up in the middle of August. Uh, and, and, you know, is it, is it as physically difficult? No, but I mean, it's hot. 
So, so we'll see. Uh, I, I hope that they can figure out some more changes. I hope that they can uh, bring in some bring in some some new ideas. And you know, there's a lot of creative uh, people in the IndyCar paddock. A lot of smart engineers. Um, so, you know, that they, they could maybe maybe some teams will develop some of their own ideas and and, and help help the series with that. But uh, but for sure, right now we need to we need to be able to take a step forward when it comes to cooling and getting us um, just getting us air. Yeah, no, I've, I've I've talked to Jay Fry a little bit on this too, and I think I think he kind of echoed maybe uh, a similar sentiment that it's not at this point they're they're getting you guys plenty of air as you mentioned it is hot air but there's not a great way that they have right now to get that air sucked back out of the car. Um, I think that's the big issue is that just kind of dumping all of that on top of you guys from the way I understand it and there's. From the venting, you're you're able to get air in, and there's just not that that channel where air can come in and just kind of come past you guys, and then come out to to kind of kind of create a, a somewhat of a simulation of the wind that you guys were used to um, until this air screen came. So um, we'll put Iowa to bed there. Road America, as you know, uh, you mentioned it was kind of a, an up and down weekend for you guys there. Um, at ECR, the the late crash that you had there in race one, um, I know probably had to be tough coming coming back for you know in less than twenty four hours with um, the pain that looked like you sustained there. What was that process like? Just trying to to maintain and, and make sure that you could make an appearance there for uh, for Sunday's race. Look, you would have had to you would have had to cut both my arms off for me to not race on Sunday. So <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, was it painful? Yeah, but heck, I watched Joseph go out there with a broken shoulder and a broken hand and, and still race, so I wasn't worried about it. But, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the fact that I had to sit there all night with ice on my shoulder and try and figure it out. And got to thank the IndyCar medical crew, though. They're obviously the best in the business, and, and they were helping me out a lot. Uh, St. Vincent Sports Performance as well. Those guys, I've trained with them for so many years, and they're so good at recovery stuff. So it was tough, but... Um, just, just, just a, a weekend to forget. I mean, we probably could have ended up in the top ten there in race one uh, if if Pato and I hadn't have had the coming together that we had. Uh, a lot of disagreements on that, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, I just I can't get into it because it makes me angry. Uh, you know, there was the same thing happened on on Sunday, and there was a lot more room given. It seemed like, um, but uh, a, a bit of a different situation. So. Uh, you know, it's tough. Everyone's got their opinions on that. And then, you know, the entire country of Mexico came after me at the end of race two, uh, which, again, didn't quite understand from a common sense perspective. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's it was a tough weekend. And, and it was it was it was a tough, tough deal on the Internet that week, too. A lot of people. It's amazing how much your haters come out of the out of the woodwork when you have a tough weekend. We had two strong weekends. They were nowhere to be found. And then all of a sudden, here we are with a bit of a struggle of a weekend. And now everyone says you're a garbage bin of a person. So I was like, all right, well, here we go. And the best rebound ever was qualifying on, on pole for the very <laughs> next race. So I uh, had quite a laugh over that. And those same people were not very uh, around on the Internet, let's say. So um, just a tough one for us overall. I think both, both Renus and I just struggled for pace. And Renus, uh, you know, if Renus is struggling for pace, he's obviously a really raw, raw, quick driver. So... It's uh, it was tough for us there, but you know we learned some things, and and I'm sure that the team is going to be able to figure out um, you know how to improve that if we're able to you know come back there together next year. Um, but uh, yeah, just a tough weekend overall, and and ready to was ready to get out of there and, and get to the next one, but really ready to get back to ECR now for uh, you know for for a rebound of our of our own with that team. Part of that Sunday issue that you guys had, I know, just even off the bat, I know you had a little bit of contact there as we were getting ready to roll up for that restart. I know your your contact was certainly on the smaller end compared to what guys like you know Will Power and, and uh, Ryan Hunter Ray and Graham Ray Hall underwent uh, in that first lap there. Kind of taking me through. I know you were you were toward the back there on that start of that race in race two. How did you see all of that? take place and, and what were some of the issues that maybe caused uh after we'd had such a clean and exciting first lap of the race there on saturday to have the the big mess that really kind of set that sunday race off uh, on a bad foot from the start 
Well, it's just a classic start stack up. I mean, we saw it last year at the Indy GP. Alex Rossi was a victim of it because he had to start at the back. You know, you start going, trying to get a great start, and then everyone hits the brakes. Uh, it's just the accordion effect. Askew in front of me had locked up all of his tires, and I was also accelerating, but you're, you're, you're literally nose to tail. So he jumps on the brakes, I jump on the brakes, slide right into the back of him. So, yeah, that, that was, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, just a victim of a wrong place, wrong times. And, you know, we drove around, had to realistically, what took us out of that race though is, is, you know, it was just a simple, you know, we had to repair the car obviously because I couldn't drive around, but we fueled at the same time. And so you can't do that under a closed pit. And, and that was, you know, that was why we had to do a drive through. So that really ruined our day from, from the start. There were no more yellows, um, nothing to get us back in the game. Uh, even though I think, you know, on red tires, we actually had quite a lot of pace at the end, but there was no chance to use them. So um, it was it was definitely just a shame. I and mean, we, we just literally had everything that could have gone wrong go wrong. Um, so I felt bad for the, you know, the team having to deal with that. Yeah, so as we stand now, we've got six races in the books. Nearing that halfway mark, we'll be officially halfway once we get to mid-Ohio here in a couple weeks. Um, a quick rundown on the uh, the standings as they have them. Scott Dixon still with a, a pretty sizable but not, not insurmountable lead, I guess, maybe over Simon Pagano in second, Joseph Newgarden in third. You've got Pato in fourth, uh, Will Power in fifth with a, a couple uh, second-place finishes, including his runner-up finish at the second race at Iowa. Um, Graham managing to be in, in sixth despite his... Uh, you know, rough day that second race of Road America. Um, you got got you got Colton in second or in seventh. Uh, the two Swedes at CGR in eighth and ninth, and Rossi managing to uh, climb up to tenth there after a, a somewhat solid and consistent last three races after his rough start. As you look at that championship picture, uh, I mean, how much of a realistic chance do you feel like that Simon and Joseph have of of making this really a, a down to the wire competition there with Dixon? Man, I. I don't know how anyone catches Dixon. I, I really don't. Um, you know, things can change really quickly from the Indy 500. The Indy 500 is the only thing that can change it. Uh, you know, double points, huge opportunity for everyone to either be a hero or a zero. Um, so that's that's going to be the determining factor. After that, um, you know, it'll be really interesting. But Dixon is on such a consistent tear right now. He's got everything going right for him. Um, and, and right now Rossi's the guy who needs to rebound. You know, I could see Rossi definitely fighting for an 8,500 win, but, but it's tough, man. I mean, to see how those Andretti guys have started out, it's very strange. It's very interesting. You know, that's such a great team. There's so many great people there. Um, but a lot of it's really just been so random. I I just, looking at it, it's like, how does that happen? You know what I mean? So I'm sure they will rebound in a strong way. And most likely around the Indy 500 because we know their cars are great there. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 definitely not exactly how you know we expected the year to be going. You know, we've got you got guys like Ryan, Alex, uh, trying to fight from you know being down in the championship. You've got guys uh, like Pato who have had a pretty consistent run. Uh, you know, rookies. Rookies like that always have moments of, 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 of success, but I'm sure there will be some moments. You know, he's obviously not a rookie, but there will be some moments, I'm sure, where it's going to get tougher for those guys. But, you know, McLaren and those guys are spending the most money out of anyone. So I'm sure they're going to uh, they're gonna avoid probably most of the struggles. But uh, but who knows, man? It's, it's, it's certainly been not the start of the year that I predicted. Uh, I, I think... Without a doubt, you're going to see the Penske guys continue to be consistent. That's very easy to, you know, predict. But guys like Felix, I'm sure, will win another race. Um, you know, Marcus has been pretty consistent right there. Uh, and and we're going to get stronger. I know that, you know, us in the 20 car, we're definitely going to get stronger. And, uh, you know, it'll be just interesting to see how it plays out. Sure will. I mean, as you mentioned, yeah. Um I, I, I do think it's it's really going to come down to Indy can either be a place where Scott Dixon can just kind of completely shut the door. Um, you know, if he if he maintains a, a top three winish, or heck, if he even wins the race, I mean, that's got to be the 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 last nail in the coffin for everyone else. But if he had, you know, if he ends up with some sort of weird accident or some weird mechanical thing. I mean, a lot of people thought he was going to. I think it was 2017. He was on pole that year and, and ends up just in this 
absolute fluke of a crash and and ends up um lower than 30th i think he's ended up like maybe 32nd or something like that so at the 500 something always weird has a chance of happening uh and if if you're like him i think you kind of just have to you don't even necessarily have to win another race as much as just kind of you know if you're always lurking around there in the top five um toward the last couple laps of a race it's it's gonna be next to impossible for simon or joseph to get him unless they just go on a you know a, a three race streak of their own i guess maybe that's the only way to do it so um, and you also got to think about Colton as well. I think Colton can go can easily go on a bit of a heater. Yep. Uh, Colton's been super consistent. He you know he got taken out of the Indy 500 so early last year with a mechanical, and we know he's going to be fast there. So Colton's definitely going to be the dark horse right now to keep keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I mean he was that guy. I think he was sitting in second, leading to Iowa, and just had a really rough weekend. Obviously, he had the the crash we talked a little bit about briefly on Friday night where he ran into the back of Renus there for a, a restart. Um, and I can't even quite remember what plagued him there on, on Saturday, but still ended up 19th in both races. He had a, a really good chance. I think he was only about 54 points behind Dixon going into the weekend. And, um, and he fell back down to seventh, but Simon and Joseph maintained that, you know, roughly 50 point or so deficit there. So, um, still a lot of guys that can catch him. Obviously, as we mentioned, Indy Indy could really seal the deal. I would I would even say, as you mentioned, Rossi. You know, with the right amount of luck, could certainly squeak up back in there. You know, if he wins a race, if he wins a second 500, um, there's there's a big bunching of guys there between. You know, after you get past uh, you know Joseph and maybe even Pato from fifth to tenth, there guys are just so crammed, and and I I think that group certainly has a a chance to look uh, a lot different maybe even as we uh, move into the rest of the, uh, this uh, 2020 year. So, Yeah, Scott Dick, if Scott Dixon wins the 500, he might as well mail him the championship trophy. <laughs> yeah, he might as well just uh, you know show up there at um, the last couple of races we have. But, you know, I, it would be hard to imagine what he could do at those races to, uh, to not win. That's a good point. So, um, all right, well, let's get to uh, the series of questions that we had from our Folks on Twitter, um, we'll answer a couple of those before we wrap things up here today. Uh, first one coming from uh, Brian, 500 Indy, 1911. Um, we talked a little bit about fans already here, but um, we'll, he's got another question. He says, curious, Connor, daily thoughts on a possibility of running the 500 with no fans in the past couple of years. Surely the pre-race and pace laps are amazing uh, from a driver's perspective, but once the green flag drops, how much do you guys even notice the the fans or lack of them? Well, I don't. I don't think we're going to run it with no fans. I think that's that's a bit of, that's a bit crazy. But uh, but the funny thing is, ninety thousand people or whatever will look like no fans to us. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's 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 going to be the wild thing. And you know, does it does it change things visually? Absolutely. But you got to also remember that. We're so used to driving around that track where, you know, there's there's not many people in the stands, right, because of practice and qualifying. But um, but realistically, the race is the only day every year where it's, like, full, right, and it changes the visuals a little bit. So for us, it doesn't matter. You know, for us, the what we do in the car is still the same. Uh, you know, what we how we approach the race is, is still the same. I mean, the, the hype might be a little bit less and that'll be kind of sad but i can't wait for it either way you know that when you wake up that morning it's still the indianapolis 500 um but we just got to get through this one and has it has it been weird so far with with no fans yeah texas was super weird texas was that was very strange um but you know road america was an amazing crowd i thought road america to see all those people there was was super rewarding was super awesome um, and, and Iowa as well, Iowa did a great job spacing people out, looked, um, you know, looked very socially distanced and it was, it was kind of, you know, looked like an appropriate amount of people there, you know, to try and keep things safe. And, and it was awesome to hear them. It was awesome to hear them on driver intros, you know, the, 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 the fans, you know, when, when they announced me as, as, you know, starting on the poll was, uh, you know, something I'll never forget. So, uh, pretty, pretty cool for sure. Yeah. I know. I, I know I've talked to some drivers that, you know, they talk about, you know, maybe you guys don't necessarily hear those fans when you guys are are heading toward that first lap for the green flag, uh, going over the yard of bricks. But you certainly do 
probably in some sense kind of see you just see all of those colors in the fans and and even with 90 you know close to 90,000 as many people as that does does sound like when you space them out you know in suites a hand, handful in the infield and then the rest uh properly distance out um around the track it's just it's uh it's probably going to look and feel pretty weird for you guys and and it's probably just going to even feel maybe more empty than it probably actually is just because that empty dead space um, probably does pop out maybe even a little bit more. Um, next question here from uh, Kat uh, says, feelings about IO Speedway as a whole potentially closing uh, or, or being solid? Um, says, keep staying awesome. Generally one of the nicest drivers I've met in the autograph line. Well, I, I, I hadn't heard anything about Iowa being in a bad spot. Um, so that's kind of news to me. I, I don't think I don't think anyone's going to let that track die. I think, you know, hearing hearing rumors of rumors of Roger Penske potentially buying it. Obviously, I saw that on the Internet. Um, but uh, I think Iowa right now, it produces great racing. I think right now the, the racing for us is great there. I hate driving there the way it feels in the car, but it definitely – definitely does give you an opportunity to to pass people and and to you know to have a good race and run two lanes in three four run two lanes in one two so right now it produces a great product for us and i don't see why we would go away from it yeah i would agree i mean it seems like i know i think uh the way i understand it now i think nascar owns that track and um and ims leased it uh from them to operate this year's double header and i think the quotes that i saw from roger um that were were published this week when there was that rumor floating around about him potentially buying it he did say uh you know if they have the opportunity to continue leasing it um i think they will continue to do so so hopefully that's the the case you know you can never count out roger if he feels like he has to uh you know maybe to buy it to maintain the the racing to to keep that race and that track alive that's certainly a possibility but um, certainly would hope with the, the great racing that we saw there this weekend that that, that track will maintain uh, its spot on the schedule for sure. Um, IndyCar DJ32 asks, um, how do you feel about having the garages and pits open to fans for 500 practice and qualifying? Well, as I said earlier, I think you just got to be respectful of, of the spacing, right? I think you got to be respectful of, you know, if drivers don't necessarily stop, that would normally stop. There's a reason why. It's just because we're nervous. We just don't know, you know, what, you know, we don't know what, where people have been, what people have been doing. I mean, we just don't know any, we just don't know enough about, uh, you know, how this whole, you know, virus works. I mean, yeah, we, we see how potent it is and how, how it's affected the world. And, you know, we've also, you know, I've known a ton of people who have had it and who have recovered really quickly and who have been fine and, and, and all that stuff. And there's there's plenty of people who have been asymptomatic, obviously, who are who are fine. Um, but uh, but we just can't, you know, for for our for our sake of continuing racing and not missing a race, you know, we can't um, you know, we can't test positive for it. So we got to just be careful with that. and Got to be got to be respectful of that. But. Definitely look forward to interacting with people, even if it's from a distance. Feel free to shout and say what's up. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just going to be odd, and we're going to have to get through it and just kind of struggle through it. But definitely want to sign stuff. I know we're going to keep our own sharpies, so we can you know we can sign stuff for people. So if you want to, if you want something signed in a blue sharpie, well, you might have to deal with it signed in a black sharpie at some point. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's one of those things that's tough, but. Um, you know, we'll get through it together. We got a great fan base. We got a great track out there. So hopefully, we can all all uh, all enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Question here from Dave Newell, um, kind of harping on the the topic of of driver cooling with the air screen that we've already talked a little bit about. And I'll admit, I uh, I've wondered a little bit about this, but I don't really know what's involved in the uh, technical engineering side of things. He has first question uh, of his two. He says, "Do you think it's time for uh, AC to be added to uh, the cars in IndyCar?" Well, it's just hard to do that, right? Like our cars are so packed already with so many things for the engine, for the uh, the, the the electronics package, um, and it's it's not as easy as just plugging it in. You know what I mean? And and right now, an AC system, I just don't know where that would go. Don't know what it would do. Uh, I'm sure engineers and stuff could could figure it out. Um, but that's the type of system that would add weight to the car, an already heavy car, um, and. You know, we just have to have to see what 
you know what what we can do there because without a doubt our cars are physically the most difficult race cars to drive on the planet and i truly don't think people understand how tough that is because we can't tell you to get in and do it because <laughs> you wouldn't be able to so uh so yeah so we'll, we'll see what happens you know i got faith in jay fry and got faith in those guys got faith in our, our team engineers really if they come up with something they'll probably share it with the series but for right now we gotta just keep on keep on trucking the second question um, uh, on the lines of double headers says, um, I imagine double header weekends are brutal on the drivers. How are the cars holding up? Are there any safety concerns that way? Um, how, repeat that one. Yeah, so he, he just asking about, um, says he knows double header weekends are brutal on the drivers, but he asks, um, how are the cars holding up with those back-to-back races and have there been any safety concerns? there's any safety concerns i mean our cars are strong and built well right our, our team guys are really good uh you know and, and they go through them after every race right they, it's, it's they spend hours after the race that no one sees on television you know stripping the cars uh cleaning them out you know getting all the debris that ends up in the cockpit out of it you know there's a ton of rubber and rocks and stones and just just a bunch of crap that ends up in the car uh you know after a race and the, you know the guys spend the time to get it cleaned out get it ready to go and get it get it in tip-top shape again uh, for the next race but uh but at some point you know if we continue to run a, a, a lot of double headers i don't know you know we haven't done that before obviously so uh you know it'll be interesting to see but but without a doubt we know that these these teams are putting us out there in safe wagons and uh and you know we're able to go out there and do our jobs that we that we, that we want to do Question here from AJ Digby. Um, he says, uh, Connor, would you prefer at any track to run, say, five extra caution laps so the sweepers can clear off the high lines, or would you rather get back to green quicker? Uh, I think the sweepers are important. It gives us an opportunity to uh, to race up high, um, and, and that's that's super important for those who want to make up time on restarts. So uh, the sweepers haven't really been a huge issue, and honestly the yellows have been a great um, – deal for us as drivers to honestly just recover a little bit i think that's been super important to get get the visor open and get some more air to our faces and and cool down and just take a sip of the drink bottle um as well because really under yellow is the only time you can take a sip of the drink bottle i don't know who's doing it under green even in pit lane there's not even enough time so um so yeah it's 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 one of those things that uh i think the sweepers are important um but uh yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone hates the fact that we're under yellow for so long, but it goes by quick from the driver's standpoint. I can promise you that. Um, we talked a little bit about your poll already, um, but Cat SDC wants to ask, um, how did it feel to get your first poll? Well, I mean, it was an incredible feeling. Uh, we'll never forget it. Uh, thankfully, we got a trophy to prove it uh, and, and a hat, so um, that, that's pretty exciting. Uh, and and just, just, I think the most... The most fun part about it was just just celebrating with the guys, being able to celebrate, you know, being number one. You know, being two and P2 and three, yeah, that's great. I'm sure we would have fist bumped a little bit, but P1 means you've beaten everyone else and and some of the best drivers in the world and some of the best teams in the world. So um, definitely was something that, uh, you know, we will never forget. And and wish Trevor could have been there for, but he was in Budapest with the F2 team and F3 team. So uh, you know, hopefully we can get him into the country at some point so he can he can see us out of Gateway. Um, and uh, a last question here from uh, Juan Crumhorn08. Said uh, a little bit something that we hadn't touched on much maybe yet from the the Iowa weekend. He said, "Was this decision to pit late in race two based on what happened in race one, and any idea why it didn't work out for the fifty nine car like it did for the others?" Yeah, I think. You know, we, we, we might have talked about it a little bit, or I might have talked about it on another podcast. I'm not sure. I've done a lot today. But um, when you look at what happened in race one, uh, you know, we, we chose to, you know, ride out a set of tires all the way to the end. Uh, and that was, you know, because we thought we could do it and we would lose too much time in the pits. Now, both McLarens, one of them who ended up on the podium and the other who finished fourth, they pitted. Uh, and, and, and so did a couple other cars as well who ended up in front of us. Um, and, and they had better tires. The tires worked really well. So, uh, I think 
any any advantage on tires was so important. Both McLarens went two laps down, and I will never forget them driving by me like I was tied to a post because we were going slow on old tires, uh, and it worked out for them. So it was a little bit – it was a similar situation, but not entirely different. Um, but we decided to pit and try and get new tires, and we were really fast. You know, we passed a lot of cars right out of the pits, but we just ran out of time. We needed another 10, 15 laps um, to really take advantage of them, and we weren't able to. So, you know, it's it's a real it's a real kick in the chest. Uh, it, it hurts, um, but you know, it, it was something that if you know if that works out, you end up winning because everyone else is on the same strategy. But realistically, we should have just tried to basically just fight for that podium that we had. Um, and I'll never forget it because it sucks. But uh, you know what? We win and lose as a team, and we, we keep pushing. Um, but, uh, yeah, that that was the philosophy behind it. And it just seemed like the track had got more grip that night, and the tires just lasted a little bit longer, and the, the pace drop was not was not as, not, as, uh, not as strong. Kind of a follow-up question here, actually, from Chris Bishop, who was wondering a similar thing. He asked... Um, how quickly in that race two after you guys had pitted, how quickly were you able to kind of realize that it was not maybe going to work out like you guys were were kind of putting all your chips in on and hoping for? I realized it about as soon as I got stuck behind, uh, I think, Renus and one other car for like two or three laps. I was like, hang on a second. This is not, this is not as, like I, I expected a little bit more of a pace difference than me to kind of be sailing around these people. The first the first 10 laps out of the pits, I was driving around people like crazy. It was awesome. It felt great. I was like, okay, perfect. This is working. I just needed that to keep going. But, uh, you know, our, our tires might have been wearing out a little bit too aggressive. Our, our tires might have been, um, you know, not quite as, uh, as good as they needed to be. But, um, you know what? It is what it is. We, uh, we'll learn from it, and uh, hopefully we can figure it out. All right, well, that is all we have here on questions, and we'll uh, wrap up our latest edition of IndyCar Weekly here. I'm sure we'll have a lot more for you guys as we get closer and closer to this year's Indy 500. Certainly a lot to talk about once we get to practice and qualifying, but um, always appreciate Connor taking his time to uh, to hop on here. We have a lot to talk about between Iowa and Road America, and uh, we'll be able to wrap up mid-Ohio probably the next time we talk and uh, and and get talking a little bit more about the 500, what, the, what it's going to be like for the drivers, uh, and, uh, and once we know a little bit more about the finalized entry field and what qualifications and, uh, and the bumping process is going to be like. So for Connor Daly, this is Nathan Brown. Thank you guys so much for listening for this latest edition of IndyCar Weekly. Connor, take care. Thanks, guys.